1: Hi, I'm Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. In this podcast episode, I'm bringing you a really remarkable person. He was voted Young Australian of the Year. His name is Sam Coffin. And what you're going to hear is something that is quite special. You see, Sam Cawthon fell asleep at the wheel. One night in October 2006, he crashed into a semi-trailer at a combined speed of 206 kilometers per hour. He was pronounced clinically dead by paramedics for a full three minutes. Sam woke up in a hospital bed. His kids were just happy to see that he was alive, but he lost a good deal of his body, arms, legs. But Rather than decide to live in misery, Sam decided that he was going to, in his words, bounce forward. He went on to create a whole new life for himself, and his story has inspired people across the world. From Fortune 500 companies to the amazing audience at A-Fest in Thailand in 2014, where he shared this particular talk. Sam is an authority in personal and corporate resilience. He's a best-selling author, a professional speaker, a philanthropist. As I said, he was named the Young Australian of the Year in 2009. And he is just an all round amazing guy. So check out the speech from Sam Cotton, because I know it's going to inspire you as it did for me. I've
0: been thinking a lot about today, I've been thinking a lot about how I can add as much value as I can, how I can meet you where you're at, how I can serve you the best possible way. Has anyone here heard of a guy by the name of Simon Sinek? He wrote the book called Start With Why, yeah, his TED Talk, top 10 most watched ever TED Talk, awesome, awesome guy. He created what he likes to call the golden circle. This is my version of the golden circle, and it's this, what, how, and why. Every single person in this room knows what you do. Hands down, we all know what we do each and every day, yeah? Most of us in this room know how we do it. How do we create the results that we create each and every day? Like what's our differentiating value proposition? But I suppose my whole obsession is this whole area of why. Why do we do what we do? Like, why do we wake up of a morning each and every day? What is our cause? What is our belief? And why should anyone care? You know, most people think that our why is to create profits or earn money, but money is a result. But there's no cause or meaning tied to that. So why do we do what we do? Like, why do we wake up of a morning each and every day? So I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey of discovery in your own why, and I'm going to do this through one particular way, and it's through the power of story. Now, I believe the greatest communicators in the entire planet are master storytellers. Actually, I believe the greatest salespeople, the greatest teachers are master storytellers because what do stories do? Stories disrupt our thinking. They emotionally connect us. They inspire us. They get us over the line as well. Recently, I did a massive big um, global national tour for the Association of Financial Advisors. And what they wanted me to do, they wanted me to teach them how to tell them all stories, how to teach financial advisors stories. Because stories emotionally connect us and they get us across the line as well. So today, I'm going to spend a lot of my conversation just telling you lots of stories. Now, these stories will make you laugh. Some of these stories will even get you emotionally connected. But I'm hoping that by the end of this today's conversation, you're going to be inspired to take action in your own life. You're going to be inspired towards your why. And yes, I'll also give you a great system that has really helped me. Now, as you saw there in that first slide, my talk today is all about being asleep at the wheel. Now, this is a brand new conversation I've recently created, and a lot of my IP has recently been around bouncing forward. You know how we've all heard of this terminology, bounce back. Look how we're bouncing back from the global financial crisis, how we're bouncing back from natural disasters. A lot of my content and my IP has been all around bouncing forward. And my latest book reached a top three international bestseller, given in the hands of Bill Clinton, the Dalai Lama. It's been a huge part of my life to teach people, organisations and individual people, how can they bounce forward? What do we need to do to be awake at the wheel rather than asleep at the wheel? Because the metaphor is this. I had a major car accident. The police said it was a 206 kilometre head-on collision with a semi-trailer truck. And it was my fault. It was my fault. I fell asleep at the wheel. I veered over the other side of the road and had a 206-kilometre head-on collision with a semi-trailer truck. My arm was amputated there at the scene and also completely wrecked my leg. Six broken ribs lacerated in a punctured kidney. Both of my lungs had collapsed at the same time. This was just a few years ago. Before I show you a video about my accident, I just wanted to tell you another story. As was said, I won this amazing privilege. It was the Young Australian of the Year. And I remember the day before Australia Day, they flew me through to Canberra. And so here it was, you know, on Australia Day, I'm about to meet the Prime Minister of Australia, which is equivalent like the president of our country. But I'm thinking to myself, what can I do in order for the Prime Minister of Australia to remember me? Because as you guys know, you know, PM probably meets hundreds of people every day if he remembers everyone that he meets. So I actually flew my mum and dad up there at the time and something else you need to realise about me is I was born and raised under a dictatorship. And the dictator at the time, her name was Mum. (laughs) She had an accomplice and his name was Dad. (laughs) So my mum was born in Kolkata in India. My father was born in Edinburgh in Scotland and I'm one of 11 Seven boys, four girls. Massive family, right? I'm also an uncle 33 times. I've got 33 nephews and nieces, so it's a huge family. So I flew my mum and dad up there to Canberra to come and meet the Prime Minister of Australia, but at the time I had one of my other bionic arms on. Actually, get this, I've got eight arms all up. (laughs) How many do you have? (laughs) And you're probably wondering about this arm. This arm is what they like to call a Meyer electric arm. You guys probably heard of it called a bionic arm. This is the most advanced bionic arm in the world right now. It's the only one in Australasia. It's worth over $120,000. Now, get this right. I program it with my iPhone 5S. I've got an app for my arm. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) And also, you can get different attachments. So I've got this other attachment for playing golf. I've also got another one for playing eight ball pool, yeah. I've also got, like, a swimming arm, right? So it's like a little flipper. Fits on the end of my stump. So I just start it up, put it behind me. <laughs> no, no, I don't really. Actually, get this. Did you know that very soon the para-Olympians will overtake the able-bodied Olympians? Do you know why? One thing we can do which you guys can't, one thing I can do which you can't, I can upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. The way, And the way the technology is moving with bionics is phenomenal. There's a guy out there, he's got no legs at all, two prosthetic legs running a 100 metre sprint under 10 seconds flat. I mean, he killed his wife, but that's a whole other story. So here I am, I'm about to meet the Prime Minister of Australia. But I had my cosmetic hand on, so he didn't notice at all that I had a prosthetic arm, so I had a long sleeve jacket on. He didn't notice. So as the Prime Minister of Australia came over to me, come and say hello, he went to shake my hand. As the Prime Minister of Australia went to shake my hand, my hand came off <laughs> into his hand. And yet literally, like, everyone just started cracking up, laughing, the world's media came in, taking photos, Prime Minister Kevin Rudd standing there holding my hand. <laughs> It was a very, very funny moment, that's for sure. But I think we all have moments in our life, and some moments can be quite funny, quite hilarious. You know, he'll never forget that. I've now interviewed him for my online community. But then we have these other moments in our life, which are quite life-defining and life-challenging. So recently I found a word, and the word is called this, kiros. Has anyone in this room heard of the word kiros before? Anyone at all? Okay, maybe six, seven hands. Let me teach you a word. kiddos is the Greek word for time. So contrasting to chronos or chronological time, you know, meaning ordinary or normal time, kiddos time is laden with meaning and choice. So get this, the dictionary meaning of the word kidos is this, is a moment within a moment, a particular moment in where drastic change takes place. I'll say that again. Kidos moments are moments within a moment, a particular moment in where drastic change takes place. Let me ask your entrepreneurs a question. Hands up are the people in this room who knows that being an entrepreneur, things don't always go according to plan. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? We can plan to go in one direction, but life situations, life circumstances will take us in a complete different direction. And so my kiddos moment was my car accident, was when I was asleep at the wheel, Now, before my accident, I was very motivated, very passionate. I was doing a lot of things, Been classically trained as a singer, been playing the guitar ever since I was seven years old, had a great job with the federal government as a youth futurist. But in a way, I lacked why, destiny, purpose. I was asleep in my own life. So right now, I'm just going to show you just a very quick video and sort of show you guys a little bit about what happened in my life. And this was just a few years ago.
1: One man is in a critical condition after a four-vehicle accident which blocked the Bass
0: Highway for much of the afternoon. Two cars and a truck were heading towards Devonport just after three o'clock, when it's believed a Holden statesman, travelling in the opposite direction, collided with the back of the truck, sparking a chain reaction. You know, I remember that day so clearly. I was saying goodbye to my kids and You know, at the time, as I was saying, I was working for the federal government. I then said goodbye to my wife. We were a high school sweetheart. Actually, she is here today. Her name is Kate. Can we all please put our hands together? For the love of my life. Thank you. You know, sometimes we take our family and our loved ones for granted and I can tell you something now, you know, from high school sweethearts to even just going through that journey together with my wife and her being there with me, the entire journey is quite miraculous. I'm so grateful. I love what Vision and the other guys were talking about, about gratefulness. It's very much so our life right now. We live a life of gratefulness. And I remember um, just before I actually uh, fell asleep at the wheel, I was there with my friend at over lunch, and I remember we don't normally do this, but on this particular day, we shook hands. It was the last handshake I ever had with my right arm. You know, if you talk to this guy today, he said he can still feel that handshake. It was one of those handshakes where the hands just locked. Whereas now, now my world consists of left-handed handshakes. Left hand, left hand, hey. Actually, why don't you guys do me a favour, turn to the person next to you and give them a left-handed handshake. Left-handed handshakes, Yeah. Perilous scouts shake with their left hand. (laughs) Very cool. So I said goodbye to my mate there at this restaurant. I then, as I was saying, it was my fault. I was doing a lot of kilometres. I was travelling a lot. And something had to give. And it was me falling asleep when I was going a bit over 100 k's an hour. The semi-trailer truck was going over 100 k's an hour. I was actually pronounced dead at the scene. Even if the coroner was called. Obviously, they resuscitated me, put on life support for an entire week, in hospital for five months, and then in a wheelchair for an entire year. Doctors told me initially, they said, Sam, you'll never be able to walk ever again. You'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. (laughs) You know, when someone says that to you, You know when someone sort of says, you'll never be able to do it, there's no chance, or you might as well give up, you won't be able to, there's something deep down within that says, "Stuff you, I'm going to prove you wrong. Come on, who's felt that before? Who's felt that before? We've all felt that before. Every single one of us. I remember being there in hospital and I remember my little girl, she's coming in to see Daddy for the first time and this is her here, she's up the top there and... Her name is Amelia, and she's a beautiful dancer. And There on the right-hand side, that's Ebony, and she's a singer, my eight-year-old. And there on the left-hand side, there's Jacob, our five-year-old. But I remember when I woke up from being on life support, I was in a complete and utter state of denial. This hasn't happened to me. I haven't really had a car accident. It's okay. I'm going to wake up from this nightmare. For two days, look, Sam, you haven't really lost your arm. You haven't really wrecked your leg. It's okay. You're in this really bad movie. It's going to end soon. You're in this nightmare. It's going to finish. For two days, I was in a complete and utter state of denial. And then realising what had happened, going through pillow after pillow just simply from my tears. And around this whole journey of self-discovery, I then learned that my little girl, she was going to come in and see Daddy for the first time. Now, I realised my little girl, she was four years old at the time and the last time she saw Daddy, the last time she saw me, I was throwing her up in the air with both arms, we were running, we were skipping, then suddenly here I am, lame in a bed with only one arm. I didn't know how she was going to react, I didn't know how she was going to accept Daddy for what had happened, how she was going to adapt to this change, I didn't know. And I remember lying there in my hospital bed and out of the corner of my ear I remember hearing my little girl, she was singing like she always does right down the end of the hospital hallway. And I sat up in my bed and my eyes started to well up, not knowing how she's gonna react, not knowing how she's gonna accept daddy for what had happened. And I remember lying there in my hospital bed. And then I saw these two tiny little hands. She grabbed hold of the door like this and she peered in and our eyes just met and she ran into the hospital room, tears are running down my face and she jumped up in the bed and she goes, daddy, 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 daddy. Did you have a car accident? And I said, Yeah, I had a car accident. And she goes, And daddy, 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 did you lose your arm in the accident? And I said, Yeah, I lost it. I lost it. I lost my arm. And she goes, And daddy, daddy, the doctors, they couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> she literally thought they just had to find my sticky tape, fixes, everything, daddy. <laughs> you know, we can learn so much from young people, we can learn so much from little ones. You know, the reality is that my kids have never come up to me and said, Dad, what if? What if you didn't have that? They've never said that to me. I was interviewed recently on CNN and they asked me a question. They said, Sam, if you could go back to that place where you had your car accident, would you change it? They said, surely you'd change it. Surely you would not drive in front of a truck. Now I said to him? No, I wouldn't change it. I would not change it because this is the person I was meant to be today. Who might I to play God and try and change the past? But for me, there's an entire future there that is yet to be created. You know, it's quite interesting. Recently, I was reading about different animals and different animal groups. You know how they have names? Like a group of bees is called a swarm. A group of cattle is called a herd. A group of lions is called a pride. Yeah. A group of crows is called a murder, murder of crows. Have a guess what a group of jellyfish are called a group of jellyfish is called? A smack. A smack of jellyfish. A group of vultures. A group of vultures is called a venue. A venue of vultures. A group of flamingos is called flamboyants. Flamboyants are flamingos. A group of buzzards. Actually, you guys are like this. A group of buzzards is called a committee. (laughs) A committee of buzzards. But my favourite out of all the different group of animals is a group of rhinos. Now, get this right. Rhinos can run over 45 kilometres an hour, but they can only see nine metres in front of them. (laughs) So do you know what a group of rhinos are called? A crash. (laughs) A crash. I love that. And if someone comes up to me and says, look, Sam, I can predict what happens in 10, 20 years' time, I'll call them a liar. The future is there to be created. So wake up. Start creating the future that you were born to live. Three areas that really, really helped me. In a way, these are three ways how I leveraged myself coming out of an adversity, coming out of a massive death experience. I want to give you three key areas that really, really helped me. One of these is this. I needed to learn how to leverage crisis. You know, there's a massive corporate buzzword out there which is actually called adversarial growth, which means through almost most toughest of adversities can ignite some of the greatest of growth periods in our life. Chinese have a two-syllabus word for the word crisis. It's danger and crucial point or danger and opportunity. Crisis equals opportunity. Let me ask you a question. What's the fastest-growing company in the history of time? Let's say to reach 5 billion. Fastest-growing company ever. Come on, we should know this. Apple, no. Sorry? Facebook, no. Yes, you are right. Groupon. Groupon, within a year and a half of being founded, Google offered them $5.3 billion. Within 18 months. And get this. They started in the middle of the biggest financial recession of our day, 2007, 2008. If you study the blue chip Fortune 500 companies, over 60% of them started in a financial recession. You know what I tell people that have actually got a frustration or a problem or an issue or something that's really annoying them? I tell them to turn that into a crisis. Because when it's a frustration or a burden or something that's, we tend to procrastinate dealing with it. We do, don't we? We say, look, I know it's a problem. I know it's an issue, but we've got all this other stuff. When we have time, we'll deal with that. But get this, when it's a crisis, there's something in our biology that links so much pain to it that says we must get ourselves out of it. So I would even say turn it into a crisis because when it's a crisis, we deal with it. We deal with it then and there. It's a leverage crisis. And again, even my own life, you know, through my own journey and obviously since my accident, since then, we've actually now started an amazing charity where we're working with the true poorest of the poor, which are the kids that live with a disability in developing worlds. We've built these really cool five eco-sustainable green schools over there in India. We're doing some phenomenal things. And that's actually obviously how I have bounced forward and how I'm now awake at the wheel. We're also now training over 1,000 professional speakers down there in Australia and New Zealand how to be commercially smart. I'm now, you know, doing some phenomenal things. Because I've learned to leverage an adversity, a problem or an issue, I've actually turned that into a crisis and then leverage from it. Second area of leverage that have really helped me is this, leverage your proximity. Vision said earlier on that you are the average of their five closest friends. The company that you keep determine who you are. But as was Tony Robbins talked about, you know, proximity is power. We are the average. You know, this study also shows that it's exactly the same with our weight, with our bank account balance, with our energy levels, with our happiness results, that we are the average of our five closest friends. The company that we keep determine who we are. You know, it's quite interesting. Back in high school, I was hanging out with these real negative, toxic proximity. And they influenced me to do things that I knew I should not have been doing. But they influenced me in a very toxic way. And I found myself getting kicked out of school. So what did I have to do? I had to disassociate myself from a lot of my mates, from a lot of my you know, friends, to start now hanging out with people that inspire me in a positive way rather than a negative way. You know, I love connecting with people like Vision. I love connecting with people like Brenda Bouchard. I love connecting with people like, like one of my other really good mates, Skrillex. Yeah. <laughs> And another one of my other good mates, his name is Brad Smith. He's won the Entrepreneur in the Year in the Whole of Australia three years in a row. first time in Australia's history, someone's won it more than once. He's won it three years in a row. I'm on the phone to him nearly every single day. What's that going to do with my entrepreneurship? You already have some amazing proximity. By the way, that's probably the reason why we're all here today as well, to leverage the proximity of in this room And I just love connecting with proximity that influence me in a positive way, that drive me, that have really helped me to get from where I am today to where I want to be. And I'm now strategically hanging out with those right type of people. And the third area that's really, really helped me is leverage happiness. Leverage happiness. Now, we've all heard of a lot of the research that's coming out why happiness is great. But one thing that really frustrates me in the growing levels of depression and unhappiness right now Depression rates today are 10 times greater than what they were in the 1930s Great Depression. The mean onset age of depression 35 years ago was 29 years old. Today, it is 14 years old. The World Health Organization now predicts that depression will be the number one cause of illness by the year 2016. It'll overtake cancer. There was a recent study that was done in Australia and New Zealand that showed that 45% of Australians right now feel unhappy in their jobs. There must be a way how we can bring happiness and positivity back into our proximity purposefully. And we've already heard a lot of the research that Vishen was saying earlier on today. But here's some other research That is, really optimistic workers outperform their pessimistic colleagues by 56%. Happy children show three times more creativity than their unhappy counterparts. Positive doctors perform better diagnoses than what they did with this study. They got three groups of doctors. The first group, they primed to be happy. The second group, they gave them all these books, resources, and academic results. The third group, they said, go into this particular case completely neutral. You know, in every single case, the doctors that were primed to be happy outperformed their peers by over 35%. And you know what they gave the doctors to prime them to be happy? You know what they gave them? Chocolate. This is a good one. Happy nuns outlive neutral or unhappy nuns. Apparently nuns are the best group of people to study on. Do you know why? They eat the same, they dress the same, they live the same way. And also they're quite cheap. But what they found with these nuns, right... They studied these nuns' journals for many, many, many years. Now get this, at age 85, 90% of the happy nuns were still alive. Get this, at age 85, 70% of the unhappy nuns had actually passed away. The age old saying happiness leads to good health backed up by so much research. Staff told they are more appreciated by their boss, increase their productivity by up to 30%. Positive workers of greater levels of productivity produce high quality work and perform better in leadership. They're also less likely to take sick days, become depressed and or even quit. And the reality of it all is this. If we are not priming ourselves and our colleagues and our proximity and happy in a positive way, we are handicapping us in regards to our performance, success rate, productivity and even profitability by up to 50%. 50%. You know, the doctors told me initially, they said, Sam, you'll never be able to walk ever again. You'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. And my rehabilitation was really, really hard. But sometimes talking up to, you know, 10 hours a day, seven days a week. is really for long. My right leg, as you can see, I physically can't bend it at all. So I'll never be able to ride a bike, go for a jog. It's hard for me to sit in a car, in a theatre, in a plane. I'm six foot three and my leg doesn't bend at all. But I choose to focus on the good things in life. I get disability parking spots. How cool is that? (laughs) I get free upgrades on planes all the time. (laughs) The doctors also said to me initially, they said, Sam, you'll never be able to play the guitar ever again. You've lost your most dominant arm. Did you know I'm one of the only people on the entire planet that plays the guitar with one hand? How cool is that? And... I've brought along my guitar with me. Can I play something for you guys? All right. So can I ask everyone in the room right now, who in this room is a musician? Come on, hands up. Proud musos. Proud musos. Great. I'll show you something you might not have seen before. This here is what they like to call a guitar prosthetic. It might look really basic too, but trust me, this alone cost me about eight and a half thousand bucks. So just while I'm getting set up here, I just wanted to uh, just very quickly show you this slide here about our charity. We work with the true poorest of the poor, which are the kids that live with a disability in developing worlds. It's like a stigma. A lot of the time that you were cursed in a previous life, so we're going to outcast you from our own family. And so we've got a lot of, um, you know, microfinance going on empowerment of women, these amazing green schools modelled from the green school there in Bali. It's really cool, some of the stuff that we do. And that all started from one Kiros moment that my wife and I had a few years ago. So this song I'm going to sing, I've actually never done this song before, so it's a new one that I've specifically written for this event, and it goes like this. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, I am awesome I'll sing it once more I am awesome I am awesome Every day of my life I am awesome When I focus on being grateful And ensure that I am thankful I am awesome Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I've got one more story. I've got one more, one more story. Sit down. (laughs) Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can I just share?
0: Thank you very much. Please grab a seat. Thank you. This here is my younger brother, and he's the youngest in our family of eleven. And his name is David. Everyone say hi, Dave. Hi. And he's my best mate in the world, you know. We hang out all the time, and as I was saying, he's the youngest of a family of eleven. Have you guys noticed the youngest in the family is always the most loved? (laughs) So true, you know it's true. (laughs) So imagine a family of eleven. So he's he's my best mate in the world, you know, we hang out all the time and just recently he was diagnosed with cancer. 19 years old. And it's really sad me seeing my young brother go through chemo, radiation, lose all his hair, everything like that. But I suppose the good news was I was the same blood match as him. So I donated my own bone marrow to my brother. And we're all believing, Dave, mate, you're going to get through this, you're going to be fine. No problems at all You recently passed away. He died. And it was really sad me saying goodbye to my best mate and my younger brother. But sometimes things don't go according to plan. We can plan to go in one direction, but life situations, life circumstances will take us in a complete different direction. And yes, there is a time for trauma. Yes, there's a time for sadness. Yes, there's a time for grieving. Also, time for to pick ourselves up and just move forward. So, I wanted to ask you a question. What was your kiros moment? What was that moment within a moment that had drastic change in your life? And tell me something. Are you asleep at the wheel? Or are you actually awake? So at the count of three, can I please get every single person in this room, one more time, can I please get you to stand up? What I'm gonna get you to do right now, you probably already know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna ask you to sing along with me. So I'm creating a moment in your life, a kiddos moment if you will. Cause I was born and raised in Tasmania, right? Down in Australia, I now live in Sydney. But how often does a one-armed Indian Tasmanian Scotsman play the guitar with one arm and ask you to sing along with him?
2: So so we're all
0: going to sing this together and let's see how good a voice is you got. So it goes like this, Ready?
2: Come and clap your hands. I am awesome. I am awesome. Every day of my life, I am awesome. When I focus on being grateful and ensure that I am thankful, I am awesome. Let's do it one more time. I am awesome. I am awesome. Every day of my life. Thank you
1: <laughs> Thank you. If you guys like Sam's talk, you might want to consider checking out an AFEST. Just go to AFEST.com, A F E S T.com. This is sort of like a TED Talk style event put up by Valley, but unlike a regular TED Talk, AFEST kind of combines Burning Man, exotic locations, incredible parties an incredible community of visionary world changers from 40-something countries in a paradise location. What can be better than that, right? So we're always taking applications for the AFS Tribe. Go check it out on AFS.com and you actually get to not only hear people like Sam, but actually be in their presence, hang with them, and experience incredible adventures and incredible friendships.